Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Welcome to the She Slays the Day podcast with Dr. Lauren Brunslick. Direct, soulful, comedic, advice for female chiropractors' most stagnating questions. Let's talk business, marriage and relationships, momming, and self-development. Here's your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslick. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Lauren Brunslick, and this is the She Slays the Day podcast. Oh boy, we are getting really close to Christmas here. Um, so <laughs> I know you guys can't answer me here, but I really need to know like where the line is on when you need to be concerned about if your husband is obsessed with something or your spouse. Um, so <laughs> many of you know that I really like the Enneagram. And Kirby and I actually argued the other day that I brought the Enneagram to him. I believe he remembers it different. Whatever. We agree to disagree on that part. Uh, But so I, like a normal person, picked my Enneagram type and moved on in life. Kirby, on the other hand, did not. He took the Enneagram, got a five-way tie for his answer, and then proceeded to read four books on it trying to figure out what his type is. Um, and so starting to get a little concerned, but a a couple of weeks ago, we actually got, you know, those moments where with your partner, you are simultaneously furious at each other, but just want to laugh at the ridiculousness of what you are fighting about. So, okay. So Kirby's like, I think this is probably book two, book three on the Enneagram. And he's like, okay, so I think I'm a nine. I would really like for you to read the chapter on nines um, and tell me what you think. Okay. So as I set this up, he asked me what I thought. So me being very three-ish, I read like two pages on the nine and I go, no, I don't think you're a nine. And I could, and he's like, wait, did you read the whole chapter? And I'm like, no, I can just tell you're not a nine. And he's like, I could tell he's a little irked, okay? So then the next day I'm on a run, I'm listening to an Enneagram podcast episode and the guy's a nine and he's describing nines and I'm still thinking like, oh my gosh, this is not nine. I can't believe Kirby would think he's a nine. So, uh, and on the podcast they talk about how like he had helped his wife figure out what her Enneagram type was by taking a quiz. And I'm like, well, that's a great idea. I'll be a helpful spouse. So I come home from my run and I'm like, 
hey, still listening to that podcast that you recommended because he's obsessed with the Enneagram. Um, still don't think you're a nine, but if you want, I can go over, like, I can go through a quiz with you on the Enneagram. And he looks at me and he goes, to what avail? And I'm like, or no, to what end? And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? So it's like middle of the day and this stupid Enneagram fight emerges. And I'm like, the story I'm telling myself is that you're annoyed that yesterday I didn't read the whole chapter and I don't think you're a nine. And so it was ridiculous for any of you worried. Don't worry. Uh, it lasted about 20 minutes before we just laughed. And um, just in case you are wondering, Kirby, we're actually pretty sure is a nine. And I just jumped to a very strong opinion very quickly, like I tend to do, um, as a three. Although he got his payback for that, now that I think about it, because so I was very confident I'm a three. And, you know, you've heard me. I'm a three. I'm a three. Well, then he's telling me, because, you know, he's read four books on this. He goes, have you ever thought about whether you're a seven? And I'm like, hmm, interesting point. So I start looking at sevens, and sevens are like uh, experienced seekers. They really just are kind of always on to the next thing. And I'm like, oh, man, maybe I'm a seven. And so I'm whining a little bit to him of like, well, am I three or a seven? I don't really know. So he finds this article flippantly. If you guys don't know what the Enneagram is, this is really boring. Just fast forward. It's fine. Or if you just don't care about the funny asshole parts of our relationship, skip forward. So anyway, so he just in the middle of the workday sends me this email or not email, an article by the Enneagram Institute that's like deciphering between threes and sevens. So I'm like, oh, this is good. It's so helpful. So I start reading it. And what you need to know is if you have not read articles especially by like the Enneagram Institute that officially don't give a fuck uh, whether you like them or not um especially articles that are like if you're trying to decide whether you're a this or a that they do not beat around the bush like I have a feeling that they maybe tried initially being like oh, cute, you could be this, like, well, you know, and people are like, yeah, I do think I really like, because I like puppies, I'm helpful, and they're like, oh, okay, so they probably tried, but they just need to, like, go for the juggler, jugular, when they are deciphering people's types, so this article that Kirby sends me in the middle of my workday, I start looking through, and it is just absolutely going for it for the threes and the sevens, it's like, well, I can see where, you know, a lot of people get confused because seven has grandiose ideas, just like a three has grandiose and like false concepts of their confidence. And so I'm like, did you read this article before you sent it to me, Kirby? And he's like, well, I breezed over it. So I started like copy and pasting things from it to him. And he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. But the fact of the matter is, is that I read through that terrible article and I'm still just an asshole three. Um, and that, that's the whole point. So uh, now you know a little bit more about me and what's going on in our life. And Kirby, yes, is finishing up his fourth book on the Enneagram, what it's like to be in relationships with different types. So hopefully he's becoming a better, a better spouse to this, this three. I haven't seen any evidence yet. Just looked over and gave him eyes like, hello, where's the, where's the feedback? Um, okay. 
So what are we talking about? Oh, I need to tell you about She Slays Savings. Um, so if you haven't used any of these opportunities or looked into them, you really need to. So go to sheslayspodcast.com forward slash she slays, and you can pick up a couple different offers that we have finagled for you. One is the Progressive app with Connected and Inspired Media. This is a really great resource for your practice if you run a pediatric and prenatal practice. Um, there's exercises, there's tools, there's stretches on there for your practice. It's going to save you time. Oh, and not to mention that the people behind it are the most loving, kind, and kind people ever. Um, so look into that because we've implemented it into our practice and we really, really like it. Our patients, even more important, really love using that. So you can you get 20% off your first month with them by mentioning promo code SHESLACE. And then also we have 10% off your order at the Etsy store, Sandy Spines. She is an amazing chiropractor who, you know, with all of her free time, takes like flying lessons and does these gorgeous watercolors. So um, if she has stickers in stock, you will also get some free stickers along with your purchase just because she likes me. I like her. She's cool. Um, so check out her Etsy store, Sandy Spines, and when you use promo code SHESLAYS, you will save 10% off your entire order every time. So, woo woo! All right, now let me read you a very kind review that somebody sent me actually last week through Instagram. And um, it just, it, you know, you guys, when you take the time to do that, that is, uh, I, I, I'm not an emotional person. Um, so a lot of times my response is, I'm not crying, you're crying. Um, but it is really helpful because I said before that this podcast thing is weird. Like you don't even get to, especially when you're doing a solo podcast, there's no feedback. It's like, and I am somebody who f just craves feedback and affirmation of like, you did a good job. Yes, that helped me. Um and so when it comes to things like this, anytime that I'm like, oh, good, you got something out of that. I'm not just doing this for nothing. It's helpful. So I really appreciate this. Um, this is from Dr. Aaron Houlihan. And it says, I love today's podcast. I am a house call Cairo and I have had many sleepless nights getting going and lots of stress. And I enjoyed hearing someone shedding light on what we do with doing it in a different way. Thank you for your podcast. I've shared it with so many people, both DCs and non-DCs. Erin, I super appreciate you taking the time to send me that message. Um, and yeah, it's kind of crazy how many non-DCs listen. Um, I, you know, as a podcast for chiropractic females, I would say we have a lot of non-chiropractic females listening who will message and be like, yeah, I'm a lawyer, I'm a this, I'm a that, and I still get a ton out of it. So yeah, so that's cool. And I think today's topic, even though it's about a chiropractor looking you know, to take over a chiropractic practice, this situation um, that we're going to dive into oh my gosh, it can be played out so many different ways in so many different careers and aspects of life. Um, so before we get into the question, I'm going to start us in prayer. Dear loving, forgiving Father, please give me words today. Um, today's question has to do with the death of um, her father. And if you could just 
give me endless amounts of empathy and the right words for somebody who sticks her foot in her mouth frequently. Like, please make sure that today's episode is just filled with love and kindness and support that the person who wrote in this question feels like I am sitting across from her and giving her a giant hug and helping her move forward through this um, very unexpected and unwanted uh, experience in life. Um, Help everyone who is dealing with plans that they thought were your plan and all of a sudden it's not. It's not their future and who are really struggling with that. Help them see the path forward. Help them see all the possibilities in the new plan and let them know that they're not alone and that you are with them still and helping them through shitty, shitty times. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's get to the question. So this question comes from Jillian. Um, I don't think I call her Dr. Jillian yet. Oh, yep, because she's in her ninth trimester at Palmester. At at Palmester. (laughs) At Palmer. So it says, Dear Dr. Lauren, It's a little long, but I was wondering if you had any advice for me. This question is not that long, by the way. Jillian, I get like six paragraph long questions that I have to edit down. So you did did good. Um, I am currently in my ninth trimester at Palmer. My plan all through school was to work with my dad after graduation and eventually take over his practice. Well, fast forward to three months ago at the end of eighth trimester, shit hit the fan hard. My dad unexpectedly passed away. Due to the passing of him and Illinois state law saying my mom couldn't own it because she wasn't a DC, she was forced to close the doors. Now here I am, not knowing what to do. I could either look to associate somewhere or reopen his clinic. The problem I'm dealing with right now with being an associate is being able to accept someone other than my dad being my mentor. I guess the question I have is, what advice do you have about opening after graduation? Or how do you know when you are ready to open a practice? I feel like I have the ability to reopen it, but there is still some that nervousness and fear behind it. Just been a rough couple of months having to change the game plan when you thought you had everything ready to go. Oh, um, so that it sucks. Like, I think that that's where we have to start is just acknowledging the absolute suckiness of the situation you're in. Um, and your mom, um, unexpected death I mean like he was still practicing so I'm assuming he was you know at most in his 60s and that is just too young it's just too young and anytime you lose a parent I can only imagine um is terrible so uh, and you you don't have a I mean, you have time. I don't want to say you don't have a ton of time, but like you're looking at graduation. Graduation in many people's mind is this like deadline where you need to decide what the next step is. Um, And so you're not even granted this time to mourn. Um, You're kind of being thrown into like mourn process. Now, what are you going to do? And that also sucks. So I didn't have this written in my notes, so hopefully I remember why I went on this tangent. Um, You're going to need to remember this later. So I don't know if you had enough time to mourn and process this unexpected and losing your parent. Um, But this is advice I give to patients in the clinic because, like, 
you know, you probably have taken boards on this, that psychosomatic issues are serious. Um, and that what happens when we don't process huge life traumas like this, uh, they store in our body, they store in our nervous system, and they can manifest in all sorts of physical health ways. Um, so if you felt like you did, you gave, uh, I mean, you're never going to get over it, obviously, but like if you feel like you had an appropriate morning, good. But a lot of times when there's a death, you're thrown into this like, oh my gosh, I have to rush home. I have to take care of my mom. I have boards in two weeks, so I still have to do this. Now what's the game plan? And so we just don't give ourselves that grace when processing a death or just major emotional trauma. Um, and you got, you're going to need to. So at some point, you know, I don't care if you, like if you graduate in um, July and you're like, okay, so I graduate in July and I open my practice in September. Um, I'm going to take the month of next December to more. Like, I don't care how you do it. If you need to get therapy, but like this, this is going to need to make sure that you really allow those emotions to process and give them the time that they deserve. Okay. So I have to preface before we go in to any of this, that I am a very blunt person. I stick my foot in my mouth a lot. I accidentally say things that like can get misinterpreted of like, so wait, are you saying it's a good thing? And I'm like, oh my God, no, I would never mean to imply that. Um, this is a live podcast that Kirby, if he tried editing out every time that I said something wrong or like could be interpreted negative, uh, we wouldn't have much content, guys. Uh, so know that I'm going to try and choose my words very, very carefully. Uh, but if I say something that, you know, could be interpreted that like this was God's plan or, you know, I don't think God killed your dad. I'm just going to say that now. Some people very strongly are like, yep, this was his plan. We don't understand it. I'm just not one of those believers that like God's up there picking and choosing like when it's our time. Like, I don't know. This is my opinion. It doesn't really matter. But just so you know, like, because none of us really know what's happening. Um, I could be completely right, completely wrong. More than likely, it's neither. Uh, but I don't think that God killed your dad. So when I'm talking about God's um, role in going forward, I think that's important. Um, and I am just also a very, like, I wouldn't say I'm an optimist. But I don't look to the past. Like I am in even like a very, in, honestly, especially in extremely difficult situations, I am like, this is the situation. Let's move forward. Um, the harder the emotional trauma, the more I will tend to like shed emotional vulnerability to get out of the trauma. So like, you know, I'll be like, okay. Listen, like, it's like we're in war. Like, okay, we have to do this. We can't, we can't waste time doing that. So, you know, if we were at coffee, I would give you a really, really big hug. And then we would like transition into like, okay, what are you going to do? But um, for this sake, we're going to kind of jump into the like, we're going to like leave the emotions in the first part. Um, so let's start with the whole God's plan thing, because I think it's important. I have a feeling a lot of people, I mean, I I know 
people who have um, lost kids, who've lost parents, who terrible, terrible things have happened, have lost their homes to fires. Uh, and I know that like people, when they're uncomfortable with somebody else going through a major tragedy, they like to bring up this whole it's God's plan thing. Uh, that probably isn't sitting well with you. I don't know. Maybe it is. Um, but what I would say is that I think that there are many, many, many ways in which God can fulfill your soul's purpose on this earth with whatever happens the rest of your life. So what I mean is that I don't think, um, your dad need to die in order for you to be go on to be super successful and live out your life's purpose. I also don't believe that your dad unexpectedly dying, God is now going like, well, now what? Well, I guess there's no way Jillian's ever going to live up to what I wanted. Like, well, I guess I'll take second best. Um, I think that just because it would have been great, you getting an opportunity to work with him doesn't mean that it can't be equally as great without that opportunity. Um, so I just think that the more you can let go that this was your plan and that's what's going to need to happen. Letting go that this is the plan doesn't mean that you are being disrespectful to him. It doesn't mean you're not paying homage. I don't know if that's the right word to his legacy. Um, but in order for you to get on with your life, you're going to have to let go that that was the plan and it is not anymore. Um, because I believe God can make miracles out of leftover puzzle pieces. And that's kind of what we're dealing with here is like a random collection of like, okay, well, we have practice members, but we don't have their leader. Like we have all these different things. So um, I promise we are going to get to the like what to do now. Uh, that is how I'll end the episode. But we do have to really kind of work through some of these things before I give my full on like, okay, here's what you're going to do, girl. Because that's, that's my, that's how it ends. Um, so uh, you need to ask yourself, what were you hoping to learn from this mentorship opportunity with your dad? Um do you feel like you're missing out on learning chiropractic from him, learning philosophy, learning marketing, learning adjusting, or do you feel like you're missing out on this bonding experience with your dad that you were going to have working hand in hand with him? Um, I would guess a little bit of both. Uh, the learning situation, that's just a normal thing that happens when you are a student. Um, you don't, we, most of us don't typically want to make the big jump. Um, a lot of us end up doing it, but when we're in this part of where you're at in school, it's very easy to be like, um, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to be ready to become an adult in four months. Uh, how about I adult in one year? Type thing. And so we like to like take these soft steps into full on adulting. Um, but the bonding thing, like that's probably very real, whether you have realized and acknowledged that that's a piece of the plan that you're missing the most. Um, and that just sucks. It just truly sucks. There's not much you can do about it um, except try and, uh, you know, establish a relationship with your dad now. Like as much as you can, like you, cause you can't bond with him in the sense that you thought. 
So what you should ask yourself after that is, was his practice exactly what you wanted? Um, what I mean by that is we tend to put our parents uh, and mentors, especially our parents, like on this throne of perfection. You know, in your head, like your dad, the fact that he, I don't know how many decades he was in practice, let's say 30, you know. Um, so, you know, the fact that he was in practice for 30 years and had a home and a, a wife and a this, like, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, he has this life that I want. He's seeing patients, he's helping people, he's not in financial stress. Um, and we're supposed to do this to our parents. Like, this is, like, it's, that's why, like, one of the Ten Commandments is honoring your mother and father. We're supposed to think of them as um, these strong, core-valued, honorable people that are on this throne in our mind. Now, what happens as you start to adult next to them is you get like a little peek behind the curtain and you start to see the flaws in the system. Um, and so, you know, what likely would have started to happen, even if you went in going like, oh my gosh, his practice is exactly what I want, um, you'd have gone in and noticed that he maybe he doesn't adjust many babies or he does but it's not the way you learned from the ICPA or you know like or he x-rays everyone and you're like oh I don't really like x-rays or it's an old x-ray like more than likely there would have been quite a few systems and procedures that you would have um been like I don't really like that and when we start to see, or, you know, and maybe maybe there's other flaws that you're like, oh, I don't really like that he doesn't care about this or whatever it is. It sucks when a mentor or parent gets dethroned in our mind um, as, as good as we thought they were. We were like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go learn from the absolute best. And then, like I said, you get to see behind the curtain. It's like, huh. And that process sucks. I've had it happen a couple times, not with my parents because neither of my parents um, own small businesses. Um, but so, for instance, I remember being in school and I went to do a, um, not an internship, just a shadowing of a very, very large pediatric practice. And I won't even stay, say which state it's in. Um, and, I mean, this guy is like the... It, in my mind, I should say, he was like the it guy in our area of pediatric practice. And I went to shadow and, you know, I'm far enough in school that I know like um, insurance fraud. <laughs> so like I'm asking these questions and his answers are interesting. And he's talking about these techniques he use uh, or not techniques, but like the systems his front desk uses to keep insurance paying for wellness care and how we like codes it uniquely and like I even as like a 23 year old am like reading between the lines being like whoa buddy you might be in jail someday he's not and like and like I would never in a million years reveal who it is but it was one of those moments where I was like damn boy like 
I don't, I want to see a high volume pediatric practice, but not at that expense. So that was a, that was a, a sucky moment where I was like, well, this person I thought was so great. And I thought I was just going to like start a practice and it was, I was going to model it exactly after his. And now I was like, well, I guess I can't model it exactly after his. And then a few years into practice, I had an, um, a very different situation of like a mentor kind of like rocking my world with their just incongruency of my values, which they don't have to be congruent with my values. They need to be congruent with their own values. And that's what's a problem when we put too much emphasis on a mentor is they have their own values. And most of the time, they're not the exact same as yours. So uh, I was struggling with being completely unmotivated to grow our patient numbers. I was like, I'm very comfortable. Um, I want to want more. I want to make more money, I think. But like, you know, and I'm like, I'm going through this slump of like laziness and, and, you know, shouldn't I just be content with where I'm at? And <laughs> he tried inspiring me to want to make more money and grow my number. Well, he tried inspiring me to want to see more people by saying, I'll make more money. And yes, I can afford nice wine now, but $50 wine is nothing compared to like $200 a bottle of wine. And it was just one of those moments where I was like, what the fuck are we talking about here? Like, you think that was gonna work? Um, but again, they were values like for him, not for me. And so, the whole point of this like little tangent here is that you get to keep your dad your hero. You get to keep him on this throne of this absolutely perfect human who he just gets to remain your idol and your hero. And that I think is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's not to say that he wouldn't have. If you to practice, like, great, that would have been great. But, like, there's a lot of, like, awkward little, like, small arguments that, you know, could have potentially come up when you were working next to each other. I will tell you that um, taking over your parents' practice and transitioning it is, is not, it's not easy. Now, I know that more than anything, you would want your dad alive. This is one of those, like, okay, I'm going to step back and go, like, I know that you would take a difficult situation and have your dad alive. Yeah. But um, so we get questions in about like, okay, well, my dad's retiring. I'm working next to him and uh, I want to start changing things. And he doesn't like it. He doesn't see why we need to update our website that basically is non-existent. He doesn't understand what search engine optimization is or why we would pour dollars into it. Um, so uh, transitioning is easier when you go to a different practice. So like if you were going to go pick a mentor, which I would tell you, like, be prepared for that mentor to not live up to that uh, full throne that you have them on. And it's easier to be pick and choose. Like, okay, I like this. I don't like this. And then you go down the street or down over to the next town and open a different practice, you know, and make all those changes. That is way easier than when you're in a practice so whether it's your family or not for associates who are looking at we've had this question before too where they're like the plan is I'm going to associate for a couple of years and then he's going to retire and I go like that is really difficult one to transition I actually think we might talk about it in episode two uh, at full length but more than likely you're going to learn a lot 
but there's a lot that you're going to come out of school, you know, because your dad probably went to school 40 years ago, 50 years ago, you know, and um, you're going to, you're not giving yourself enough credit for what you have recently learned. And so you likely would have wanted to change decor. You probably would have wanted to um, bring in iPads and educational videos and updated marketing. Maybe you'd want to be out of network with insurance and maybe he's in network with all insurance. Um, the front desk person is an interesting situation. I'm going to assume that your mom was not the front desk, although that is a very classic um, situation. But, you know, when you do open, if the front desk woman that worked for your dad, oh, I'm also assuming it was a woman, okay, the front desk person who worked for your dad is wanting to work for you, I would just make sure that he or she is a very positive, futuristic person. Um, that isn't going to dwell in the negativity of like, that's not how your dad always did it. Um, and that he or she isn't going to view you as that little girl that was, you know, running around the office when you were home from school with a fever. Um, so that is super important. Is it nice for patients from his practice to see a familiar face? Absolutely, but not at the expense of a crappy personality that you're going to have to fire. That's even worse is if you hire your dad's front desk person and then fire her. Uh, you're better off just not even hiring her from the beginning from a strategic standpoint, for sure. Okay, so, uh, all right, before we go into what I think you should do, one last question you really need to ask yourself is, because you have you can now. Did you want to live in this town? Um, it is very easy to go like, well, I'm going to uh, graduate and I'm going to go work for my dad and I'll take over the practice. That's, a, that's an easy plan. I mean, like I told you, it's not actually not very easy at all. It's a very uh, emotionally charged conversation and transition with not just your dad, um, but with the patient. So a lot of times when you're taking over in that situation, the least of your problems is the the owner or the parent. Um, your dad might have been like, heck yeah, we need to paint in here. Heck yeah, we I've been waiting to do that. It's the patients who are like the fuzzy buddies. That's not curmudgeons, something like that. Um, they're the ones who don't want change. Um, so do you actually want to start a practice in this town? Because I highly recommend, I mean, you don't know what the future is going to hold. But like, if you're like, eh, take it or leave it, then reconsider. But if you're like, no, I definitely, when I do start a practice, I want it to be in this town, then let's just do this thing. Um, if you're at the point where you're like, well, maybe, then maybe taking an associateship for six months to a year, well, probably a year for sure, um, is a great idea. Or going on like a... Uh, if it's going to be more like six months, like go to Costa Rica and adjust, go do some stuff um, and give yourself some time in the real world to think about it uh, because starting a practice is laborious. And if you only need to do it one time in life, I recommend that. So we're going to tell you what to do now. And this is going on a couple of assumptions. This is going on the assumption that you want to open a practice in your hometown. 
This is assuming that your dad ha was very liked in this community, um, that your family business didn't have these skeletons in the closet that were coming out, like kind of assuming that like you are building on a good foundation, uh, a family business that was built on core values of honesty and caring and kindness. And I think that's hopefully it's a really good and easy assumption. Um, and then I'm also assuming that even though you loved your father, that there were some changes you were planning that you would have needed to make to the practice. Okay, so what to do now? Um, it's kind of easy. Go make him proud. Like, girl, you got everything. The plan is not the original plan, and that's okay. In life, we need to pivot. But you have a great opportunity to move to your hometown and pick up where your dad left off. Um, and go make him proud. Go make your mom proud. Um, don't get in your own way when you are making some of these changes in the beginning, though. Because what I picture, and maybe this wouldn't, this isn't an issue for you, but what I picture is you carrying a lot of guilt and shame, uh, ch making changes to your dad's practice. And, and honestly, some people may even verbalize them. Your mom, your, if you have any brothers or sisters, oh my gosh, I can't believe you would throw away dad's ex. Oh, I can't believe, like, this is your practice. And what's really, really nice is that your dad is now in heaven. And when we go to heaven, again, I'm making an assumption here, we shed all of our worldly bullshit ego and possess, um, attachment to unimportant things. So although your brother may be super offended that you're not going to do x-rays, your dad doesn't. <laughs> your dad is, okay, I don't know this for sure, but is very likely in heaven just being like, all I care about is that you are happy and that you are loving these patients that I have been taking care of for years. That's what your dad cares about. He doesn't care about the waiting room chairs. He doesn't care about you being in network or out of network. He doesn't care what color you paint the building or if you change the logo. He don't care. So don't fight a fake battle in your head, shaming yourself and guilting yourself. Um, decide on what your practice, what your version of this family practice is going to look like and do it. Uh, still seek out mentorship. I think mentorship is fantastic. I think one of the mistakes I made I um, for sure was that I didn't seek out mentorship early on in practice. I didn't until like my third year. And um, I recommend picking a couple people. like Because like I said, no matter who you pick, that mentor can't fill all the roles that we think they're going to. And this is where I was going with like your dad of like your dad might be the greatest person ever, but he wasn't going to be the mentor that could fill the shoes that we often do when we think of what a mentor is going to be for us. Um, so there was an episode a little bit ago where Kirby and I talked about the eight people that you need when starting your practice. I think it was eight. Um, and, you know, we talked about like so more than likely you're going to need a really good like core value spiritual mentor, somebody 
who's reminding you that the work you're doing has purpose and passion. They don't have to be a chiropractor. You likely need a chiropractic mentor that's going to be there to talk to you about systems, procedures, um, efficiency, marketing. Those are all really good things. Um, you're likely going to need some kind of legal, you know, so go back and listen to that episode, but have multiple mentors because you, it's your practice and you were never going to build a practice based on what one person's opinion was. And so the whole point is having multiple that you can pull and paint together what you actually believe to be the best thing to build. Um, okay, so I would recommend making a big change, a big visible change, while still holding on to something. <laughs> You're like, what the F does that mean? Let me give you some examples. Uh, I didn't ask if you guys own the building that it was in. If you do, I would recommend, if you like the location, keep the same building, but maybe change the logo, change the name. Or, you know, if you're moving to a different location, then maybe same name, but different logo. You know, hold on. What I wouldn't do is I wouldn't move across down completely different location, completely different name, completely different logo. I don't think that you are being opportunistic. I don't think that's the best strategic thing because like your dad, again, we're going on the assumption that your dad built a legacy. Like businesses, I don't know, it's like 80% of businesses are out of business within five years. I just made, pulled that stat up. It's something like that. Um, but like your dad was in practice for decades. That's a big deal in a town. Like anytime that a business withstands multiple different, um, not depressions, but like economic declines, that's huge. And it means that the business was built on some very strong foundational values and systems. So don't just not take advantage of like letting people know like, yeah, yeah, I'm his offspring. That thing that was so good that it's, um, you know, succeeded through decades, that's in this. This is just like version 2.0. So make sure that you let people know that like this is an extension of that. This is version 2.0 of that beautiful, wonderful, successful thing. So kind of pick and choose whether it's the location you're changing, the name, the logo. Don't change it all. Um, so in your advertising, you know, so what's going to tell people why I do recommend a change. So, you, you know, you might say like, well, Lauren, what if I did the same location, same name, same logo? Okay. This is going on the assumption that you want to make changes. And if you don't change anything visible, when those patients come calling, they're going to be very shocked unless, like if you have changed any systems, any procedures, anything inside. And so it lets people know like, yeah, the important stuff is still the same. But there's a couple other changes. Like don't be, it sets their expectations that like some things have changed. Some things have been updated. So they're not a curmudgeon in your office when they realize that you guys do care plans. You know, they're like, everything else was the same. Why is this one thing all of a sudden changed? So it lets them know, like, to be a little more open-minded and open-hearted when they're interacting with your business. Um, because people know that you aren't, it's not going to be the same adjustment. You're a different person. You're a female. He's a male. 
people automatically expect that like they make all these assumptions. Maybe your dad was the gentlest adjuster in the world, but they're just going to assume this person's adjustment is going to be different. That is how chiropractic works. Like we can try and replicate it, but in their mind, you're going to be different and they're okay with that if they're calling. What if they're calling, they're what they're hoping for is that the values are the same. That they are treated with kindness and communication and patience and understanding and empathy. That's why they're calling because they're going, well, when I went to that business, he was this. You know, if they only went to your dad because of his adjustment, I'm sorry, more than likely they're going to call around to the next 60 year old man because in their mind, they're going to go, well, I only went because I liked his adjustment. So I'm going to call the next 60 year old chiropractor in town and I'm not going to give this 20 something female a chance. If they're calling your office, they're, they're expecting you to be different, but like to see that same heart that your dad had. Um, so, you know, that that's super important for you to not feel like you have to be him. You're a part of him. Like you're 50% your dad. So you can be your updated version of his practice and people are going to understand that like this is a part of it. And those that don't understand, just tell them to fuck off. Like don't literally do that. Like, but like you can't hold on to that. Okay, I can just picture, I can just fast forward a year from now, some jerk's gonna call and be like, well, that's not the way Dr. Tom did it. And that is going to stab you in the heart because that's, I mean, people are just unkind sometimes. So you're gonna have to be prepared. That will happen. People are sometimes just senseless and mean and they Sometimes they mean to be mean. Sometimes they really don't. They're just like, don't realize the gravity of what they just said. So the more you can prepare like shitty stuff like that is going to get said. Your dad, again, up in heaven going, yeah, that guy was a jerk anyways. And he like never paid his bill on time. So like, don't hold on to that. Um, and uh, keep a piece of him. So when you're changing, changing all these things in the office, Try and keep a visible piece for the patients that it's important. So whether this is his office chair, maybe it's this terrible poster that he bought in 1960 when he opened his practice and never took down. Um, like keeping that, putting it on an updated painted wall, but like that same, like that vintage feel that he's still there. The patients are going to just love, absolutely love that. But don't be afraid to go different with marketing, go go different with aesthetics. When you're looking at insurance, I'm okay. Another assumption: I'm going to assume your dad was in network with a lot of insurance. That is just how older style practices worked. I am going to assume that you uh, want to do more family style chiropractic, wellness based plans. Um, that insurance doesn't love to. <laughs> work with you on. I can tell you that. Uh, so whether you realize it or now, more than likely your practice, you won't want to be in network with all insurance. Some are fine, some are not. So take a look at his patient base and the percentage when money was coming in, what percentage was coming from what insurance company. So if you, let's say you want to be 100% out of network at some point and your dad was like 80% insurance, 20% cash. I would recommend looking at the top two, maybe insurance companies. Um, 
as long as they're relatively decent and they're not terrible people who are soul sucking um, and be in network with them. Just just two, maybe even one, like if 40 percent of his insurance of, of it was Medicare, like maybe you can get away with just doing Medicare. More than likely, Medicare was a large percentage that just happens as chiropractors get older, their patients get older. Um, and so just take a look at his numbers when money was coming in and where was it coming from. And I would recommend if you're okay with it, if this isn't like completely soul sucking to you to pick one to three of those insurance companies to be in network with, to soften that bridge for patients. Because like I said, they already expect it's going to be different. Okay. They're calling and then they find out like, you're not in network. Okay. Like that is going to be a deal breaker for quite a few because they're just like, okay, nope, you're too different than your dad. Just my opinion. Um, be prepared to train. Like how, what are you going to say to some of the biggest changes that you're making to systems and procedures in the clinic? So what I mean by that is let's say your dad was a very like, call me when you need me. A lot of chiropractors um, that went to school back when he did are that way. They went through the Mercedes 80s. They don't have to like build out care plans and things like that. Um, if you don't know what the Mercedes 80s is, it's uh, <laughs> I think any chiropractor who's like, gosh, 40 above? No, maybe 50 or above. I'm getting old. Um, basically in the 80s and 90s, insurance just paid like $60 per visit, unlimited, no questions asked ever. Like apparently it was awesome. I was born in 86. So obviously I don't know. I've just had some really old mentors who don't shut up about, oh, things aren't like they were in the 80s. Yeah, I get it. It's, it was great. I digress. Um, so how are you going to train and educate these patients? So let's say your dad was like, yeah, call me when you need me. And you're a care plan model where you're like, no, this problem didn't just show up overnight. This is going to take six to 12 adjustments before we even start to see results. How are you going to soften that conversation where you're not making your dad, because these people, more than likely, if they're coming back and they were a patient, they liked your dad. And so you can't just be like, yeah, he was an idiot. He didn't know what he was talking about. And you probably wouldn't say that about your dad anyways. So how are you going to make your dad right? Because you want to meet the patient where they're at. They think that your dad was right. They trusted him. So how do you make your dad right and you right so that you can bridge it easily for them to be like, okay, I can see where that was the correct thing to do or like we were doing what we thought was the correct thing. But now with updated technology, updated research, um, philosophy on health, we're getting sicker. We don't have, you know, we don't have time. We're more sedentary, blah, blah, blah. How this new model is warranted. You see what I'm saying? Where if you just come in and are only trying to communicate like why what you're doing is the correct way and it's different than what your dad did, you're forcing them to be like, the chiropractor I went to for 30 years was wrong and was doing me wrong, even though that's not what you're trying to say. So you have to really figure out how to meet them where they're at that like, yeah, I can, I absolutely understand why that was how uh, financials, that's how we did it then. And it made sense at that time, but now with X, Y, and Z, that no, that that system is outdated, or this this is a better system that's more efficient for you, whatever. Um, so don't try and get all the patients. <laughs> this is my last point: is if your dad was seeing two hundred people a week, 
when he unexpectedly died. More than likely, you not you're just not going to want all two hundred of those people. Uh, your dad probably didn't even want two hundred of those uh, those people. Your dad is probably in heaven, going like, "Oh my gosh, if Sam calls and tries to get on, how am I going? I'm going to break the phone line. I'm going to break the phone line so Sam can get on her schedule. He is such a jerk." Um, so do not try to bend over backward. It kind of goes back to what I was saying as like, there are some people who are just going to be jerks that you're not him and doing things the exact same way. They don't mean it. They don't have a Grinch size heart. Um, well, maybe they do. Uh, but just don't try and bend over to please them because what's important is that you are doing what you believe to be right and picking up the broken pieces of this situation and not putting them back together in the puzzle that they were, but making the pieces fit going forward for your life and making it so you're building a practice built on the same core values of love and integrity and caring and empathy, but it looking a new way, a way that works for you. So I really hope that I didn't say anything too stupid. Um, again, when it comes to death, like I get awkward and I'm so sorry. And uh, your situation, I just, I pray so much for you and your family that God brings peace, um, that your dad, however, lets you know he's, he's good. He's so great and he's so proud of you. And he, he doesn't for a second think you need him he probably didn't when he was alive more than likely i mean so much of the time with our kids we see that like they're they're an improved version of us that's how life is supposed to work and um you know he probably like was like all right i can teach you some things but like you were probably gonna teach him so much so i hope that you feel confident even though you're afraid moving forward in this situation. Um, reach out if anything I said prompted further question or conversation. And uh, yeah, okay, good luck. Good luck, girl. You got this. And, and to everyone else listening, oh, hey, you're here. Um, next episode is a special one. Kirby and I are going to be talking about uh, our annual planning meeting um, and talking about how we take our clinic and how we like reflect back and look forward to a new year. Um, if you haven't signed up for the weekly sleigh, hello, can you please do this for me? Um, so our weekly sleigh is our weekly email that gets sent out Sunday nights. They're short, I don't know, like three to six sentences long. They're meant to be sassy, soulful, full of God, full of swear words. Okay, they're not full of swear words, but occasionally I do accidentally drop one. Um, but they're really, most importantly, meant to motivate you and inspire you and make you laugh because I just think we're all taking life a little too seriously. Um and uh, sometimes you just need a kick in the ass to laugh. So um, before we talk next, you will likely have experienced Christmas. So I hope that it is full of joy and presence. C-E, not T-S. Um, being content and just being present with the people you love. All right. Until next week, She Slayers. Bye.
Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? Sked has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. Sked was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. Don't wait. 